Hi, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jedekin. I pressed record right before Desi was about to say something. I was going to dunk so hard. (laughs) (laughs) I'll have to remind myself what it was later. I will still have the fury. Don't worry. Yeah. Let's start off the show by thanking our Patreon contributors for the past week. They donated over at patreon.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. This week we had Matthew, Jane, Brandy, Ryan, Kimberly, Sean, Henneke, Dan, Sammy, Emma, Mary, Caitlin, Eleanor, Alyssa, Angela, Greg, Lisa, Tammy, Diane, and Faye. Thanks, guys. Patreon episodes are going up very soon, in the next day or two. Yes. So if you want, there's over 100 episodes now of bonus content that you have access to the moment you join Patreon. So if you want extra episodes... Join. Right. And for all those people who have been on Patreon, the the newest Patreon episodes, we got two of them. Yeah. They're long ones. They're going up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. We're talking about sitcom scandals. Yeah. Now, this is most definitely going to be a reoccurring series because yeah. there are, are so many sitcom-related scandals that we can talk about. Is this specific to 90s sitcoms? No. Or just, okay. There just happens to be... A lot. The, yeah. Okay. You know, and that's like the era I was watching a lot of sitcoms right. when I was a kid. Uh, we're going to be talking about a show we have talked about on the pod before, and that is Home Improvement. Oh, yeah. Honestly, I don't think I have ever watched that show. I think I've definitely seen it. Like when it was like coming on, I would turn it. You know, yeah. it starts like after I was watching something else, maybe. I would watch it if it was on and there was, it wasn't like my show. But I, I definitely watched it enough that I know the characters and I know like the. Premise. I know the boys. Like I know Jonathan Taylor Thomas was like the heartthrob. Was that his show? That was his show, yeah. and that's what launched him, and that's what made. Him, I mean, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Like, yes, he's a very cute. He was a very cute little boy. Not my type. No, not my type Me at either. All. I was a Brad Renfro girl, ride oh, or course. die, yeah. forever. I uh, always like the bad boys. Always like the bad boys. <laughs> Uh, no, no, I don't think I ever watched it, but obviously I know all about it. It's just not my type of show. Yeah. I mean, and then there was like the guy, Wilson, the neighbor who you only Over ever- Over the fence? Yeah. You only ever saw the top half of his face. I hate how much I know about a show. I, that's like how <laughs> cluttered my brain is. Like things I don't even care about, I know everything about. <laughs> it's just annoying. It's even worse in the internet age too. And, um- and uh, of course, Tim Allen, who we've talked, we done, we did a mini episode on him like a couple of years ago. Yeah, because he was uh, busted for cocaine, and then he fucking snitched on everyone. A snitch. He's a snitch. Never. Co- you can't getting, recover from getting that. busted for cocaine. What can you do? You, you know don't what? have to snitch on everyone. It's not else. your fault. It's illegal. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to be talking about the youngest of the Taylor boys, and that is. Taryn Noah Smith. Oh, oh. He played Mark Taylor. So you said you gave me a knowing look. Like you know, I know his story. You know what's coming. Yeah, I do. This is a wild story, Desi. <laughs> and I went down some rabbit holes that I had to stop myself. I just know his look too. He has like those sunken eyes. He's from Marin. Oh, he is? Yeah. Oh, okay. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So 
He played the youngest Taylor brother on Home Improvement from 1991 to 1999. I think he got the show when he was like seven. They were young when they started. They were really young. Uh, So by 2001, Taryn ended up suing his parents to gain control over his $1.5 million trust fund, which he claimed that his parents were squandering. Now, this is when he was 17 years old. He had been off the show. The show had been off the air for two years at this point. Right. This is, we've heard stories like this before. Tale as old as time, child actors. Getting screwed over by their parents. Getting screwed over by his parents. Uh, He wanted the money immediately, basically, but he had to wait till he was 18. By the time he was 18, he got the money. His parents didn't squander all of it away. Uh Were they squandering it or is that just his opinion? That was his opinion. He was estranged from his parents for a while after it, but he has a good relationship with his mom now. Okay. So, I mean, it must be weird to be making all this money and you're not using it. Because think of what an asshole you are as a kid, even about things when you don't have a million dollars involved. Oh, yeah. You're so entitled. Absolutely. So this is definitely where you're like, I have my own fucking money. I can take... Because one complaint, one thing parents can use against you is like, I pay for everything. You're you're nothing without my support. Right. And he's like, I have a million dollars. <laughs> like, you can't control me. Like, right. Yeah. So it's like, you can imagine how that's a bad situation as a parent to be in. Like, I read that... like. The money, his money paid for like a house, but it was like for the family. Right. And they probably have something where they get like a small percentage as his manager or something too, Possibly, yeah. Yeah. I know that the mom wrote like a memoir type situation or more like a, like an insider look of like, you know, raising a child star and like shady people in Hollywood and stuff like that. Obviously, I did not have time. I did this whole story in a day, you guys. I did this entire po- – I wrote this whole po- show in a day. So it's going to be a fun one. We're going to see what happens. <laughs> he remained estranged from his parents for a while, but the real scandal happened when Taryn Noah Smith got married to a woman twice his age. <laughs> Taryn first met vegan chef Heidi Van Pelt when he was 14 at a vegan party. <laughs> what? They reconnected two years later when he was 16 and began dating. Now, she was 32 years old, and he's 16. And at the time, he told his parents that she was only 25, which I'm sure they still weren't happy about that. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Like, it's she's still... You're still illegal. You're still underage. I'm trying to think of like a vegan (laughs) joke. Like, the only only thing she didn't talk about... (laughs) Like, it was how, how the age difference, like, that was the thing she covered up. The veganism she talked all about, like, right? You'll work on it. Yeah, I'm working on She's it. Working Work, on I'm workshopping it. Workshopping this joke. <laughs> Somewhere, something like that. Now, they moved in together into his parents' house. Oh. But they the parents found out the girlfriend's real age, 33, so they went on the run together. So he's 17, she's 33. They have to leave the house. He's essentially like a child runaway at this point. He's on the lam with his 33-year-old girlfriend. They lived on Maui for a few months. They were crashing on various friends' couches in L.A. They actually ended up in Kansas, which is where they stayed with uh, their lawyer. Now, the lawyer was actually the prom date of his girlfriend back in the 80s. What? So that's how she knew him. And like he was a friend and a lawyer. How is this hot to her? <laughs> I'm sorry. 
<laughs> like you can see how sometimes like a young girl is like, ooh, but how is a woman like I'm dating a 17 year old. We're on the lamb <laughs> sleeping on like sofa surfing or whatever it's called. Couch surfing. Like now they decided they were going to have to get married in order for them to go back to California and resume their relationship legally and get access to his trust. Or how about just waiting a few months till he's 18? (laughs) Well, they couldn't wait. So the lawyer officiated their wedding, and they were married uh, in a secret ceremony in Kansas on April 27th, 2001. So were they allowed to get married at 17 in Kansas? Is that part of it? Okay. Now, the wedding took place poolside at a law office, there was a pool. Like there, there was a pool at this law office. Don't ask me how, but there was. That's so Kansas. <laughs> In Topeka, that's okay, where they are. Okay. Uh, the couple exchanged mood rings, and they were oh barefoot. I know you're dis- so. She's so disappointed. <laughs> that's even worse than the age difference. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. But California, of course, did not recognize this marriage. Oh, really? So the couple would have to wait until Taryn was 18 until they moved back to California. And they did. Okay. So... When Taryn turned 18 in April of 2002, he gained access to his trust, and the couple bought a home in Sherman Oaks. (laughs) It was there that they started their own vegan catering business called Play Food. Heidi Heidi Van Pelt had developed her own special recipe for vegan cashew cheese, which became the company's signature product. And it started creating a lot of buzz around town in vegan circles, like, oh, this cheese is the best. Oh, really? And at the time, in the early 2000s, there wasn't a lot of vegan cheese options. Yeah. Like, like there is you, now. Like there is now, yeah. where you can just get it at any grocery store. Pretty much. Now, Heidi, um, they opened the Play Food Cafe inside of their home. Seems legit. <laughs> It was not legit. This was an illegal restaurant that they were operating. What was the secret ingredient? (laughs) Cheese. I keep waiting for a reveal. (laughs) It was like like a, you know. (laughs) Yes, Desi, I know what you're implying. I'm very very aware of whatever it is you're implying. (laughs) Now, Taryn converted various rooms in their home into dining areas. Like they were turning their own house into a restaurant. This is what happens when you date a child. <laughs> it's like, let's play a restaurant. <laughs> I'm the waiter. We could buy order pads. <laughs> you know, that's like the kid I was. I was too. I wanted all the paperwork. I was too. Wait, wait, stop, stop. We're having a we're having a moment right now. My best friend and I. Laura Mueller, growing up, we would go to the office supply store or oh beg God. her mom to go to the office supply store and we would buy like, like uh, 
What did she get one time for her birthday? It was the most exciting thing ever. It was like a receipt machine. Like a, like a, and we would just play work all the time. No. We would play I got like a roll call book one time and played school. And everyone was mad at me because I was too serious about it. They're like, this isn't fun. And I was like, here, check. <laughs> So hilarious! We had the order pads for the restaurant. We had we bought like a. Roll. I would have died to have the check pad. I don't Dude. think I ever got that where you could write it down and total things. Right, but we had we definitely had the like um the fucking like accountant receipt thing. Oh my god! So we were we would always just be like just putting random numbers in, yeah, and just making long receipts. If I had like a hole punch and stapling the three hole punch, I'd be like, I'm making. <laughs> I wanted office supplies. Everything got stamped. Everything got stapled. Oh, the stamps. We had a void stamp. We were- oh, my God. I'm getting, like, faint. I am too. <laughs> okay. Okay. Going on. So they're playing restaurant in their own home. He, uh, this was not a licensed eating establishment, mm-hmm. as we've said, but they were serving up to 80 people at a time. Jesus. Heidi Van Pelt told Kansas City's indie magazine, The Pitch, quote, it was a party house every night of the week. And I don't just mean dinner. I mean party. We had poles in our house for people to play on. Half my friends were strippers. Now, David Winery, the lawyer friend, said, quote, it was like Burt Reynolds' house in Boogie Nights. <laughs> so maybe there was special secret ingredients in that cheese. Oh, wait. I wanted to ask you something. When people say party and they capitalize the T, is that for meth? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like, I didn't know. I guess. Did, do you notice that on Twitter or something? Or uh, Someone said something about it. They're like, whoa, I just found out why the T is capitalized sometimes in party. I mean, uh, I know about party and play. That's what I heard about, but I had never heard of the capital T, so I was curious. It's probably meth. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. By 2005, the relationship between Heidi and Taryn was dissolving. Hmm. Taryn proposed an open marriage. <laughs> the first sign of any divorce. <laughs> And, uh, you know, he was, like, kind of seeing girls a little too seriously, according to her. Like They weren't just, like, hookups. Yeah. Um, Heidi told the Pitch magazine that she told him, make sure you use a condom. Mm. Heidi told her husband as he left for Kansas City to party with David the lawyer for the weekend. That's what what she said. Like, he's going... The David, the lawyer, first of all, this guy's older too. This is an older man hanging out with Why this. would you fly to Kansas City to party with some guy your wife went to the prom with? <laughs> like the whole thing is weird. Now, when pictures of this party weekend in Kansas City surfaced, Heidi flew into a rage and trashed their home, breaking all of the dishes. There goes the restaurant. <laughs> uh this illegal, the illegal vegan restaurant that Taryn and Heidi were operating was eventually shut down by the city. They were like, wait a minute. Yeah. This is. Can you imagine the neighbors on next door? <laughs> <laughs> they attempted to open a real play food restaurant in Studio City, but the restaurant just would, sat unopened for years. Oh. They could not get it together, but they were renting this property. So they just rented an empty building and did nothing. Yes. Nice. Now, they didn't have enough space to produce the amount of vegan cheese for their commercial production of it because they wanted to like produce it commercially for different stores. So Heidi went back to Kansas City to attempt to open a production plant there. At this point, the relationship between her and Taryn was effectively over. 
In 2006, the business had still not gotten off the ground, and Heidi said she was financially ruined. At this time, Heidi had a new boyfriend, another younger man. This guy was like 11 years younger than her. She had met him in Kansas City. Okay. Heidi, her new boyfriend, and Heidi's mom were all running the Play Food plant, and the product had made its way into some local stores, and at the time, they even had interest from Whole Foods, according to Heidi. But after budding... The key word is according to Heidi. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, if you were only dating much too young men for you, would you name your company Play Food? I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I feel like that's a theme I would not want to like well, and the, hit home. And I was looking at the products of it, and it looks like Play-Doh. Like, they're in, oh, squeeze, is that why it, they're in squeeze tubes, this cheese. What an unappealing it's all way to sell it. Yeah, it's not like a slice of vegan cheese. Or even like a tub of like, whatever that cheese, like, like the pimento cheese. It's not a tub of yeah. cheese. It's in squeeze tubes, like a ketchup Ugh. and mustard or bottle. Or like Cheese Whiz. It's like kind that. Of like, yeah, It gross. looks like vegan Cheese Whiz. Now, she was butting heads with her mom, especially over claims that the mom was financially wrecking the company, and she fired her. This is a quote from uh, the Pitch magazine, which was a very, uh, very good source uh, for all of this drama. This is like an indie local magazine in Kansas City. Um, It said, quote, she wanted to clean house and install new employees who shared her passion for play food. Instead, her past cut up with her. On Monday morning, January 8th, Smith was waiting for her, Taryn Noah Smith. Uh He'd gotten a call from uh, Duncan, which is Heidi's mom, with the news that she'd been fired. And a camera crew from KSHB Channel 41 was filming a segment about play food that day. Smith said he discovered that morning that Van Pelt had created a new company without him. He says Van Pelt defrauded him by taking $13,000 he'd sent in October and and $7,100 he'd sent on January 2nd for a company in which he held no authority. Quote, my first words to her were, I think we need to sit down and talk about this, Smith says. And her first words to me was, were, I don't care what you think. It went all downhill from there. Smith found a receipt for the computers, and he and Duncan started to leave with an armful. Razo, that's the new, new boyfriend, and Van Pelt saw it as theft and tried to stop them. Obscenities flew. The Parkville police showed up, but left without writing a report. It was like a Jerry Springer episode, Van Pelt says. End quote from the pitch. I love when celebrities have this kind of trash drama. <laughs> like it. they don't even care. They're just like, like that's something that escalated for no reason. No. Like, yeah. A mess. So Heidi asked, had asked Taryn to step down as CEO and give all of the trademark rights over to her, but he refused. And by 2007, they had entered this legal battle over the company uh, Heidi, a quote from Heidi was, he's going after my business. He's trying to steal everything. He needs to get a life. Now the couple <laughs> finally divorced in 2007 and Heidi did end up opening her own vegan restaurant called food. Now food is spelled F U with an umlaut D. Okay. I was going to say not very creative. <laughs> and after hearing how she spelled it, I'm still going to go. With that. <laughs> I don't like it. Now the, I got it went into a very deep rabbit hole with this restaurant. It's food in Kansas. It's yes. In, okay. So Kansas City. Uh, uh-huh. Now, food closed in 2017 following 
some serious fuckery with the way she was treating her staff and with staff that she had hired. Heidi had become convinced that her employees were conspiring against her. The Kansas City Magazine, The Pitch, quoted her as saying, I do believe they were plotting against me and I can prove it. Oh. She dumps out (laughs) some bullshit ephemera. Then here. (laughs) Now, in August of 2017, one of her employees named Sybil Watson quit due to another employee deploying hate speech at her. Ooh. Sybil said that he was firing off, quote, alt-right talking points. Oh. This is a quote from Sybil in the pitch. He was saying anti-immigrant, anti-trans type of stuff, Watson says. So Heidi's a fucking turf on top of all of this. Right. Does she have the bangs? Does she have turf bangs? <laughs> yeah. She might have turf bangs at this point. What does she look like? Just like whatever? Yeah. I'll she's look her just up like later. this dumb white bitch. Okay. Now, Got it. um... <laughs> <laughs> Watson, Sybil Watson also says that this is not the first time Heidi has been transphobic and said weird, awful transphobic shit to her before in the past. Now, uh, also, there was another, uh, other, like all the other employees, except for the alt right guy, were, have also claimed that Heidi would go in these crazy conspiracy theory fueled rants in the kitchen. Like she would basically hold them hostage in the kitchen in the morning while Ugh. she'd make a batch of her vegan cheese. This is, this is so awful. She's also a flat earther. Oh. So she would talk about how the earth was flat. Uh, she, this is a quote from, uh, one of her other former employees from the pitch. It says Van Pelt had been talking, quote, had, wait, Van, Van Pelt had been, quote, talking for hours about Pizzagate, how pedophiles were grinding people up to make pizza sauce. Jesus. Another shift I worked, she was trying to educate me about reptilian overlords who control the world, like delusional shit that you would never expect an adult to believe. When employees arrived for work one day, the cash register and all the money was gone, and all the money in the safe was gone, and then Heidi arrived on the scene with her lawyer and the cops and told everyone to get the fuck off the premises. Jesus. So she closed the restaurant herself because she had gotten these Google reviews that were like, uh, the owner of this place is a transphobe. Uh-huh. And like the owner of this place, I overheard her. Like I was having lunch and I overheard the owner talking about how the earth is flat. Like <laughs> she don't go to I love the pitch. It's like, we're on this deep dive investigative. <laughs> Dude, this magazine. It's like this is their biggest story, story ever. For the past, like over 10 years, because the first story, the first pitch story that I was reading from or that I was quoting came out in 2007. And this one's 2017. They're like, this oh, like Heidi Van Pelt. This is their running story. I love it. I love the pitch. It's so good. I'm a big fan of this magazine. That's crazy. I mean, I knew about the marriage and the, and like the family drama, but I didn't know she just went off the deep end. Yeah. Uh, that's wild. Yeah. So I, as you, like, I... I was Googling Reddit forums about this restaurant. Like I need to no, I like, I'm like, what's the menu? <laughs> what is she serving? I mean, it was like your typical vegan, modern vegan fare. What a weird person. How isn't that wild? Yeah. I mean, obviously I don't have high hopes for someone who would marry like a teenager. Oh, right. Yeah. So, so it's not like surprising that they would be off the rails in other ways. Right. But just like a very unusual, I think the vegan restaurant thing is just like this added weirdness. Like, right. Cause you wouldn't, you don't necessarily associate vegans with that type of alt-right stuff. Yeah. I mean, I guess they, it's obviously very possible. Right. 
So yeah, that's the story of uh, Taryn Noah Smith and what is he his doing ex-wife. now? Is he still acting or just no? Nothing? He he lives in Sausalito on a houseboat. Oh yeah! Oh my god, one of those houseboats. He lives in a fucking houseboat in Sausalito. That's what I would do if you have like millions. Just retire. I don't even think he has millions, but <laughs> maybe he might probably blew it all on the houseboat. At the very, the very least, those yeah. are expensive. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. He stayed out of the news. Like I know he got arrested for weed in 2012, but. She's like more active in the news than he is. Yeah. Like I really haven't heard anything new from him lately. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This next story is about... Sasha Mitchell. Oh, yeah. Who, Desi, you know this guy. Uh, Sasha Mitchell starred on one of my favorite sitcoms from the 90s, Step by Step. Did you watch Step by Step? I didn't watch Step by Step, but I saw Spike of Bensonhurst, which was like the movie that made him famous. Yeah. And I remember sitting in the theater watching it and thinking, this guy is so hot. (laughs) Like, uh, like I remember very distinctly thinking that when I was watching, I was like, holy shit, this guy is hot. Like he was a model. He's cute as hell. Like, yeah. He I mean, was, I don't know what he looks like now, but he had like that classic cute kind of bad, but he, yeah, he was like a, but very like a, I want to say like a Luke Perry type, but he's even better looking classically like, yeah. And he's like a. He's a, yeah, yeah, he's muscly, but not too muscly. Yeah. But it's just like an ideal. Kind he's of, like athletic looking. Okay, now Sasha came from a very wealthy family based out of New York and L.A. His father had a successful career in the fashion industry, and his mom was a stay-at-home mom. In the 80s, when Sasha was a teen, he got a modeling agent, and he went on to become a model for Calvin Klein. I looked at these ads. They're very hot. Yeah. He appeared in a handful of roles on TV before landing the part of James Beaumont on Dallas. He played James from 1989 to 1991. In, 19, in 1991, he also starred in the movie Kickboxer 2. Sasha was really into like martial arts right. and stuff. And I like remember that. kickboxing specifically. That same year, he got the part of Cody Lambert on the sitcom Step by Step. Now, just a <laughs> few words about this amazing show. That's the one with Patrick Duffy yes. and Suzanne Summers. Yeah. So already, yeah. it's a home run. Come on. It's trash. Yeah. Fucking Patrick Duffy. First he's like all, trying his hand at comedy. He's trying his hand at comedy. <laughs> These two parents were the horniest parents on TV of all time. Yes. They were always... I definitely watched Step by Step. <laughs> I did not watch Home Improvement. This show I did see because I remember a lot of the um, child actors too. It was Full House, but trashy, and I liked that about it. I liked this way better than Full House because it didn't take me for a fucking idiot. Yeah. It was like the kids were actually little shits. Yeah. They weren't little goody two-shoes like they were on Full House. Right, and the parents were irritated with them. 
The parents were the parents fucked. Yeah. And I like that the parents were always like horny for It wasn't each other. a lesson show either. They had morals and shit, but but, but they, Full House always had them, like I feel. Yeah, like I just feel like step by step was like a little more like driven by the comedy. Yes. Instead of like we're very wholesome. Yeah. Like because like JT, the brother, he wasn't wholesome. He no. was always like looking for babes and yeah. shit, you know? And like even Mark kind of was horny sometimes the little nerd <laughs> like everyone was pretty horny on yeah. that show yeah okay so sasha mitchell played the lovable cody from 1991 to 1996 and he was like this stonerish surfer guy character he lived outside the lambert foster home in in a van he was cute he was funny he played the guitar but reality was a lot darker <laughs> In 1995, fans of the show, myself included, were horrified to learn that Sasha had been arrested for domestic abuse. I cannot tell you how upset I was when I heard this news as a kid. <laughs> it's pretty bad. It's as not a, like a drug bust or drunk driving. This is something that's like unforgivable. And like when I, I was such a huge fan of the show and like obviously I loved Cody. And when I found out like, oh, he beat up his wife, yeah. I was so fucking upset. It was so pretty upset. upsetting. Yeah. And this I didn't know the details about it until like now, like yeah, recently. So they're pretty awful. Now, on April 21st, 1995, police arrived at the Mitchell residence after his mother-in-law told police that Sasha had beaten her daughter, Sasha's wife, Jeanette Mitchell. The LA Times reported that Jeanette was sitting on their bed with with her seven-year-old daughter when Sasha hit and kicked her. Jeanette then locked herself in the bathroom, but Sasha kicked the door in and continued to attack her. Deputy District Attorney John Colombo said, quote, he whacked her upside the head, kicked her in the hip, and put a hole in their bathroom door. Jeanette was pregnant at the time. Jesus. Sasha was charged with two counts of battery, one count of spousal abuse, and one count of child endangerment. He was booked into the Ventura County Jail, but released on bail. Sadly, this was not the first account of him abusing his wife. Jeanette told police that Sasha had beaten her before. In the past, she had suffered a concussion as well as a shattered eardrum. Sasha's lawyer argued that he is a loving father and husband and could not have possibly done this because Sasha is trained in martial arts, and if he, he would have injured her much more seriously if he meant to do harm. What an insane argument. Yeah. That is... It's so delusional. How dare you? Also, it's like so like... The busted eardrum is such a classic domestic violence uh, injury. Oh, yeah. I mean... It's, it's horrific. So, yeah. It, it's just... The minute I hear that, I know. And like that isn't serious? Yeah. Like that's not a serious harm? I just don't understand what this guy's Also, it's like was. completely like ignoring the fact that these people don't want to be caught... So they kind of uh, sometimes strategically pick the way to do it. Like, absolutely. Yeah. Now, Sasha's wife ended up having a warrant out for her own arrest when she failed to appear in court to testify against her husband. However, the prosecution stated that they did not want to have to arrest her as she was the victim and it was possible that she was feeling trapped and afraid to testify. And yeah. I'm like 99.9% <laughs> sure that was the case. Yeah. 
Sasha pled no contest to the charges. His lawyer said Sasha and Jeanette had reconciled and were living together, so they tried to use that as like proof proof that he didn't abuse her right. because I mean she's this, back there. She's she's living with him again. She can't be scared. Why right. would she go back? Right. Why, why on earth? Why on earth would a battered woman go back to her abusive spouse? Yeah. That's never happened before. <laughs> Fucking dumbass. So he was sentenced to three years probation as well as a $2,000 fine. He was also ordered to attend a domestic violence counseling program. But Sasha violated the terms of his probation and was arrested again in December of 1995. He ended up spending 30 days in jail and was allowed to leave during the day to film Step by Step. He's still filming Step by Step at this point. A few months later, Sasha was arrested again for violating his probation and for continuing to beat his wife. Mm. Sasha was accused of hitting his wife with a couch cushion while she held their infant son. He was also said to have spit on her and called her a slut. When Jeanette refused to go to dinner with him, she said that he threw a chair against the wall and then threw her guitar through a plate glass window. Now, as if the lawyer's defense for Sasha wasn't ridiculous the first time listen to this new argument he's about to make this is a quote quote it's important to recognize that although he lost his temper he wasn't completely out of control there is an element of progress you didn't have the that extent of violence that that you did in the past it wasn't acceptable but it was in a milder form he used a cushion. <laughs> it was softer than his fist. Like, also, isn't he, like, sort of admitting that it happened last time? Right. Yeah. Like, dude. Get your argument straight. What did... Can you believe that? This is why people don't trust lawyers. like Or law enforcement or yeah. anything or anything in the system when right. it comes to, like... Sasha was sentenced to 60 days in jail, but it did not end there. By July of 1996, Sasha had once again failed to attend domestic violence counseling as well as failed to report to his probation officer. In fact, he hadn't been seen or heard from at all since he left jail in June. A warrant for his arrest was issued. That August, he was located in Tennessee, where he was arrested. After posting $25,000 bail, he was extradited back to California. Sasha told the court at his trial that he left for Tennessee after his wife moved there with his children because he was afraid of them being alone with her. He accused Jeanette of neglect and abuse against the kids and claimed that she was on drugs. Obviously, Jeanette refuted these claims when she took the stand and she was like, yeah, he's the abuser. Yeah. Not me. I left because he's the abuser. Sasha was sentenced to 180 days in jail. And that was the end of that. Just awful. Isn't that awful? We're going to talk about one of my favorite people, Lisa Bonet. Okay. In the 80s, Lisa Bonet rose to fame playing Denise Huxtable on The Cosby Show and its spinoff, A Different World. And in 1987, she starred opposite Mickey Rourke in the noir horror film Angel Heart as Epiphany Proudfoot, a sexy voodoo priestess. Desi, I assume you've seen this movie. Yes, and well, I remember the scandal very well. <laughs> one of my favorite movies of all time. One of the hottest movies of all time. Like the hottest sex scene. I mean, in a that's movie. when Mickey Rourke was still hot. He, both of them are so hot, and them together fucking in this yeah. movie is like it's transcendent. I'm so happy that I know Mickey Rourke from when he was hot. 
Right. Because he was really hot. He was like a sex symbol. Was he, I mean, what just was that like movie? Nine and a half weeks? Nine and a half weeks. I mean, he had a bunch of movies that he was hot in. <laughs> I'm just saying there was a point where he was hot. Then he kind of went away. Then he had a comeback and he had already kind of done whatever to his face. It was like more than just aging. Right. Uh, and so it's like, no, he used to be really hot. Like when yeah. you see him, it's like, it's not, it doesn't look like the same person. No, it does not. I, I, and he's a great actor still, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. But he's fantastic in this movie. She's fantastic in this movie. And Robert De Niro's in it too. And Robert De Niro, yeah. obviously he's in it too as well. Now to promote the film, 19 year old Lisa appeared topless in a shoot with interview magazine And the film itself featured a lot of nudity as well as a pretty graphic sex scene, like I mentioned before, between her and Rourke. The film was almost given an X rating. They had to cut 10 seconds of of Mickey Rourke thrusting. Right. And then I love those kind of cuts. It was like only 10 seconds of thrusting. (laughs) It was like they had to cut like 10 seconds of his butt thrusting into her. I mean, it does seem excessive. Like ten seconds is long. Some of us might want to see that, but in a in a Hollywood movie, right, that's it's true. like it is like sort of like we get the point. They're fucking. Like I can see, right. But um, I do think that that's funny that that's it's hilarious. Line, yeah, that it's like no, oh, it's hilarious because it's going on longer. Because it's like think about how much you have to think about sex to be um, a censor. <laughs> like they think about it more than any of us. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. So this movie had a lot of like buzz leading up to it because this was a very adult role. This was her first film role. Right. And she's very wholesome. She's on like the wholesome family show. Now, Bill Cosby was, of course, famous for promoting his very squeaky clean, wholesome, Mm -hmm. family friendly entertainment. That was 100% legit. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Uh, so he was like not happy about Lisa doing this and not happy. Like he, he, he was interviewed and I was reading these old interviews with him and he was basically telling the interviews like it's her decision. She can do whatever she wants, but he was fuming. It was so gross. Even at the time, I just remember thinking that it it was controlling and weird. Like, well, ever, and it was Upsetting too because inter- everyone was like asking like his authority on the situation. Like it matters. She's an adult. She's an artist, and he's not her dad. He's like- not her dad. Like <laughs> yeah, like it was. They were treating it like like I. There was an interview I read with Lisa. Uh, like I read the transcript of it. Uh, she was on Letterman in 1987 promoting the movie, and even Dave Letterman was like, "Well, what does Bill Cosby think of this? You being naked in a film?" No, um, yeah, and it, because it didn't stop there with Angel Heart. Right. Because the following year, Lisa became pregnant with Zoe. Okay. Uh, When she got married to Lenny Kravitz, they were pregnant with Zoe. And Cosby wrote her out of a different world because he refused to have Denise Huxtable be single and pregnant. Right. So she was written off her own show. Right? Did she sue him for that? No, she never sued him. But she, her and Debbie Allen approached Bill Cosby when... She found out she was pregnant, and they had all these ideas about how to incorporate it right. into the story. And he was like, "No, I'm not going to have her be single, single and pregnant." He's so gross. He's, he's just awful. He's awful. Also, like, even if you didn't want to have a pregnancy storyline, he could have worked around it. They do it all the time. Yeah, like there could have been things that they did to have her back after her pregnancy was over. I mean, it was the '80s. I'm sure she could have worn baggy shit. 
Yeah, like a trapeze dress. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> like, or just be off for a bit and have like Whitley take over like they did eventually. Yeah. But it's like she could have, they could have dealt with it, but he wanted to get rid of her. He wanted control. He was already like mad that she was sort of her own autonomous woman making her own creative decisions. And knowing what we know now, it looks extra gross. Yes. Now, Lisa told Netta Porter, I think this interview is from 2018. She said, quote, about knowing that he was an abuser back then. She said, quote, Did she know? This is what she said. Okay. There was no knowledge on my part about his specific actions, but there was just energy. And that type of sinister shadow energy cannot be concealed. I don't need to say I told you so. I just leave that all to karma and justice and what will be. Yeah. So, yeah. Lisa confirmed. She's like, yeah, I did think he was... A creep. A creep. Yeah. But I didn't have any knowledge of anything specific when it was you happening. You know the vibe. Yeah. And then there's tons of times in your life where someone you felt uncomfortable around, it pro- they proved themselves to be gross. Yes. Like it's, it's like happened it to me numerous times. It totally clicks. It's like I never felt comfortable being alone with that person or right. they always had a weird... And I think a lot of women sort of like, oh, you're just paranoid or whatever. Like, yeah. I think that's a typical reaction. And then you find out you're like, oh my God, like... Right. So that makes sense. Absolutely. So yeah, that's all I really have, unless you have any other thoughts, like if you stuff you remember from that era of Lisa Bonet. No, I just remember those scandals and just thinking it was bullshit then. Like it seems so paternalistic yeah. and gross. I mean, anytime a man is trying to control a young woman, I'm always going to be like, uh, like it reminds me of like the popularity of those, like I'll shoot you if you come date my daughter <laughs> type things. Yeah. Like, and it was like weird because they did, I think, initially try to sell him as like a surrogate father to her yeah. before this happened. Yeah. So it gave it that vibe of like this dad trying to control her. But then the fact that she's an adult when it happened, right. I, I don't know. Like, I don't really have any thoughts other than what I guess I've said. It just struck me as gross then. Right. And I was never a huge Cosby show fan. Like I did like a different world better, I think. Um, but I typically didn't really watch those family shows. <laughs> Just because I think my my vibe was very not family. <laughs> like, I don't know. I didn't get anything out of them. I was yeah. like, oh, this is all bullshit. Like, right. I just had a cynical attitude even back then yeah. to that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it didn't, like, surprise me that he was kind of a dick. Right. I don't know. Right. Okay. Well, yeah. That's all I have about this. Okay. Our last story for this episode. Don't worry if we missed your favorite scandal. We'll probably talk about it on the next installment of this series. This is about Beavis and Butthead. Oh. In 1993, five-year-old Austin Mesner and his two-year-old sister Jessica were being looked after by their babysitter while their mother Darcy was at work. Their babysitter regularly let the kids watch Beavis and Butthead. (laughs) This sounds like an urban legend. I know. But it's not. And I thought it was for the longest time. But it sounds like one. One night, the episode... Uh, One night, a specific episode featuring the bit Comedians was airing. In the episode, Beavis and Butthead light shit on fire and comment on how playing with fire is fun. Austin's mom later became concerned when she caught her son playing with matches. She said that he was always laughing like Beavis and Butthead and talking about fire. (laughs) It alarmed her enough to the point where she removed his bedroom door so she could more closely monitor him. 
On October 6th, 1993, Darcy woke up to smoke filling their mobile home. Austin had lit his bed on fire with a cigarette lighter. Shit. The home became the home became engulfed in flames. Austin and his mother survived, but two-year-old Jessica did not survive oh. the blaze. The children's grandmother called for the show to be taken off the air. And this story gained national attention and sparked a discussion over whether TV can be blamed for violence. Right. Now, I remember the Beavis and Butthead being this big scandalous thing when I was a kid. And I watched the show. Yeah. I totally would stay up late and watch it when I was like... I was like seven in 1993. Like I watched it at this, in this era at this age. And I do remember like hearing stories on the playground of like, Oh, some kid blew himself up because of Beavis and Butthead. And like, I remember this story. I remember when this story happened that this kid, I remember this story. I mean, I remember other controversies with this show, but not specifically this one. There was a lot like this was like a pretty, this show like really like got to people. It's hilarious. I mean, <laughs> I haven't watched it in a really long time, but well, I remember dying laughing. I, w- I love fucking loved this show. It was so funny. And like, I was watching old like news clips from 1993, like covering this story. And like in between talking about like this really serious, right. awful, tragic story, they were playing clips of Beavis and Butthead. Yeah. So I would be like laughing and then they'd go back to this horrible story. I'm like, well, you can't play the <laughs> clips. Like, cause the cli- I know there is something always weird about that <laughs> when it's like this awful, like truly tragic story. Yeah. And then playing the clips and the newscasters have to keep a straight face <laughs> during it. And it's just such an absurd choice well, to this, make. This one clip they played, it was like, huh, this sucks. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, what are you doing? And it's like, yeah, it's such a weird choice because it's like, no, because you're, that's not good. Yeah. You this can't. is like a very serious thing. Um, this tragedy prompted MTV to air Beavis and Butthead at a later time slot, oh, right. as well as include a warning at the top of each show, urging viewers not to emulate Beavis or Butthead. I remember that. I remember the so warning stupid. too. It was like, I mean, as you know, obviously, a th- how old was the kid? Four, five. five. I mean, he shouldn't have been watching that show. Why was period. he watching? I shouldn't have been watching that show. Right, but it's like. Yeah, but well, the, it's like sort of the advent of all those like stupid warnings. Like that's when they started happening. I, I feel think like. so. Like yeah. in the '90s, I mean, it could have. I think they existed more reasonably. Like, don't put your hair dryer in the in the uh, bathtub, or don't use it in the bathtub, or something. But we had warnings for everything in the '90s, right? And there, and you see them now to this day because people post them where it's like an insane warning, like don't stick the toothpick in your eardrum, or like whatever. <laughs> right. It's like, and whenever I see them, I'm like, someone did that. Yeah. <laughs> and they had that. to create a warning because of one person. Right. Uh, yeah. So people were trying to get Beavis and Butthead taken off the air because of this. MTV obviously was trying to downplay their role. It was like a huge hit for them. It There's no way they're getting rid of it. It was a huge hit for them. But yeah, they, they, they didn't get rid of the show, obviously. They're like, the best we can do is like, don't let your fucking young kids watch it. Well, the truth of the matter is playing with fire is an old classic <laughs> dangerous kid activity. Like That's not a new thing. Necessarily, and I don't think I don't think media that kind of media that kid will probably be, have done something like that regardless because you're going to see fire or realize look. What I watched the show, right? That's what I'm saying. Like, there's I grew up thinking we we were always growing up to, being told not to play with matches or play with fire right. and all that stuff. It's a classic. I mean, like I do feel bad for the kid, though. Oh, I mean, yeah. I do feel, and I feel bad for the whole family. Obviously, it's really awful. But I mean, here's the thing about kids: 
if you've been around them, you know, you, you kind of think these stories are ridiculous until you're around a kid and you're like, oh my God, they have no idea what they're doing. <laughs> like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, so it's not going to happen to the majority of kids, but right. there's going to be the one kid who has that interest and it puts it, you know what I mean? Like right. kids don't know what they're doing. They really don't know what the consequences are, yeah, especially like, at that age. Five is really young. Very young. So yeah, I feel bad for him and it's fucking tragedy. Absolutely. Sorry to end on a bummer, but yeah, Rachel, you should have ended on uh, <laughs> the vegan Dude, <laughs> I had to start with it because I've been waiting. I have been like on the edge of my fucking seat to tell you that story. That, Yeah. That was pretty wild. How crazy! I is mean, that? Ha- who would have guessed PizzaGate would make an appearance in an I episode know. about sitcoms? I know, I know. <laughs> and flatter. I mean, she, she really had it all. She, she there was not a conspiracy or alt right view she didn't take on. She took she took on all of them. It's like I'm going to take on every terrible viewpoint. That is like an internet diseased brain. Like someone yeah. who is just on the internet in all of these chat rooms and just their brain is fucking broken. It's soup. It's soup. Like it's yeah. done. Right. They're done. They're, she's, They're, it's Randy Quaid. Like right. it's beyond. She can't recover from that <laughs> internet poisoning. And everything that comes after her validates all of her craziness. Right. Like even the destruction of her business, that's all a conspiracy. Like, Absolutely. It's, just, it's never ending. Right. It's done. Cool. I'm excited. Uh, maybe I'll do one of these at some point. Yeah. I have some ones I definitely think we have to hit. Yeah. I mean, uh, there was one There's that so I felt- many. Yeah. There's so many good ones. Yeah. There are a so, lot. Um, okay. okay so that's our time. We'll post some pictures of Taryn and I want to see the woman. We have to post an Instagram of her. I will. Heidi. I'll do the Instagram uh, and I will do it. And this episode, uh, you're listening to it. It's coming to you at night probably. Okay. Sorry. So you're already enjoying your evening. You're enjoying <laughs> your evening. Hopefully you had a good dinner. <laughs> Better than my bullshit healthy dinner I've been yeah. eating lately. Tell us what you eat. <laughs> we want to know. Oh, my fucking <laughs> bullshit salad I had last night. Ooh, gross. Okay. I made homemade fettuccine. Did you I see? I know. I good. saw it, you dumb bitch. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>